Welcome to the Knowing God Podcast. The hope of this podcast is that it would help you to know the Word of God so that you may ultimately know God. I'm your host, Andrew Rutten. All right, today we are going to look at what I think is an incredibly impactful psalm. In fact, it has been a pivotal psalm in my life over the last decade. If you remember, this week we are examining how God is going to deal with our sins. So last episode, we talked about how the problem we all have is that there is an incredibly holy God and we are an incredibly unholy people. And that distinction causes separation, but also danger to us. We likened it last time to the sun. The sun is useful and necessary and magnificent to all life in our world. And yet, the sun is incredibly dangerous to all of us. This is the same as the Lord. He is the author of life, the sustainer of life, and magnificent. Yet, he is also dangerous because of his holiness. He is so glorious, we as sinners cannot handle his presence without help. That was the problem we set up last week. Today, we're going to take that one step deeper into our specific problem of sin. And that is where this beautiful psalm comes in. So let me read the first five verses of Psalm 32. And then we'll chat about our guilt because of sin before God. So this is Psalm 32, 1 through 5. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Guilt can do a surprising amount in your life. Guilt at times will be a motivator to change your behavior or to drive the improvements in your life. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7 that there is this worldly grief or guilt that we feel, that anyone can feel. It's that feeling in your chest that recognizes you didn't do what was right, recognizes you chose wrong or you hurt someone. I remember when I was a young child, I stole a toy from someone and I got away with it. No one caught me in the moment, but I do remember as I left feeling a sense of guilt in my chest that I just did something wrong. And you don't have to be a Christian to feel that sense of worldly grief that you broke some sort of moral code. It is simply your spirit or heart or body acknowledging that you did something wrong. But this guilt or grief is not necessarily good or healthy. Those changes that it can cause usually only last for a short time. And that guilt inside, if it stays long enough, can begin to cause deep pain or scars. And this is what David is talking about in Psalm 32. 
This is how he says it in verses three and four. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Take a moment and try to feel that imagery that David is mentioning. The setting of all of this is a time when he wasn't confessing sin. Have you had a time in life where there's been some sin that has been building in your life and you refuse to confess it? Maybe it's for a fear of what people will think. Maybe it's because you don't want to acknowledge that it is real. Maybe you're trying to convince yourself that it's not so bad. But whatever the reason, you're simply unwilling to confess it. David explains here what you probably felt in those moments. He says it was as if his bones were wasting away. His insides were drying up. There was this constant groaning to his life. It felt as if the Lord's hand was heavy upon him, and it was as if his strength was all dried up. You know how that feels? A pressure weighing on you? Your insides are torn up. It feels like a constant groaning from the inside out. And the Lord feels like he's not a comforting, gentle father, but a heavy-handed, distant fear. But here is what is interesting about those moments. When you are walking in sin, it is not actually wrong that you feel a sense of guilt. We have to get this straight. Because remember, I said that the Bible actually mentions guilt or grief over the things that we do wrong. There is what we talked about, a worldly grief, that is feeling an internal guilt because you knew something was wrong, or because you don't like feeling those bad feelings, so you get guilt, or simply because maybe you got caught and you don't like the consequences of that. That's worldly guilt, and none of that is ultimately helpful or transformative. But then it talks about a godly grief. This type of guilt that we feel because we have sinned against a holy God. A guilt that tells us that we aren't living up to the calling on our lives. A guilt that actually cares for other people and recognizes that we have hurt them. And that type of guilt, the Apostle Paul says, is good. It's, it's godly. In fact, David himself isn't critiquing guilt in Psalm 32. He is simply saying that when that guilt for that sin is not confessed, not truly acknowledged, not brought to the surface, it then crushes us. Godly guilt causes transformation because it requires honesty and a desire to change. It has God at the center, not just myself. Because it is guilt that remains inside, sin that never gets confessed, that condemns. Guilt that remains inside merely condemns. But David says in this psalm that somehow confessing his sin moves him from condemnation to forgiveness. That sin that causes him to be unholy, that causes separation from a holy God, that causes this dangerous relationship between sinners and God, somehow when we acknowledge that, when we confess that, 
It moves us from condemnation to forgiveness, from being crushed by the Lord to being healed by him. Consider the gravity and craziness of that statement. An unholy person confessing their unholiness to the ultimate holy God somehow can become right with God again. How can someone who is truly and totally guilty become innocent? Because that is what we need to be with God. We need no guilt and perfect innocence. We need a holiness. So how can David take his guilt and give that to a holy God, trusting that he would be made right again? And how can God take the guilty and give them innocence? So here's what I want you to do today. I want you to consider what would have to happen for God to treat the guilty as innocent again. And if you've been a Christian for a while, you probably have an easy answer. You can spout off in five seconds and you could move on. But I want to encourage you to pause for a bit longer today and simply consider. Consider what it would mean for a genuinely guilty person to become a genuinely innocent person once more. That is what we need for an unholy people like us to be with a holy God. We have to be made innocent again. Friends, may God bless you and keep you. May he give you favor, grace, and peace.